0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hi, Grandma. Yeah, right. it's been a while. <laughs> so, you want to play, Grandma? You want to play that part from measure nine?
1: Yep. Hello, fellowship, sisters, and siblings. A Reverend
0: Rachel here.
1: Today, I'm going to introduce you to someone at the start of shit, whom I've had the pleasure to call one of my closest friends since we met in college almost thirty years ago we're going to track Alyssa's personal progression over the last six months from not even knowing what she needed to know to earning an a plus in elder end-of-life conversations. You'll learn a lot if you listen. And if I was giving out stickers, Alyssa would get a gold star. Before I introduce you to a start-of-shit sister, let me do a little light housekeeping. After accumulating ten years and counting... Of Elder Care Intel, I decided to create my irreverent empire of insights, anecdotes, and audio, all found on my website, thisisgettingold.com, just add some dashes, in order to support the undertakings of you, my fellow shit sisters and siblings. The purpose of my monthly podcast is to provide empathy and education about the start, middle, and end of the Elder Care trenches. And for as long as she's still alive, I'll start each episode with a grandma cameo, as a reminder of why we're all gathered here together. On March 1st of 2020, we moved my 86-year-old mother into a rest home one mile from my own home. You can learn what that last year has been like for all of us in my first podcast featuring my mom, when we discussed the impact of COVID and her cancer recurrence diagnosed in the fall. And now... Let's see how she's doing in the spring of 2021. All right, Mother. So, why don't you tell the listening audience? We're sitting in our car after your latest oncology appointment. And what are we eating? A hammer. From where?
0: Five guys. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And French fries.
1: And French fries. So let's tell everybody what's been happening since the last time they heard from you about all your appointments. Today is April 16th. Yep. And what's it doing outside?
0: raining now, but it was snowing before.
1: Uh, So uh, mom, you're now vaccinated and everybody in your place is vaccinated. And what was the big excitement where did you go for Easter, Mother?
0: Your house.
1: When was the last time that you were allowed to be at my house like that?
0: <laughs> About almost a year ago, right? Yeah. Mm. and then
1: next week we have more excitement Mm-hmm. because different relatives are getting vaccinated. Mm. And even if they aren't vaccinated, you're allowed to come to our house and social distance with people.
0: So wonderful.
1: What's what's happening next week?
0: Next week, uh, Stephanie, my sister-in-law, will be coming in and she will visit for a couple of days. I haven't seen her for oh, several years, that's When she
1: came with your brother, mm-hmm. and he died last year of Alzheimer's, right?
0: Right. In November.
1: Who else is coming next week?
0: And the other person coming is my oldest daughter, Rebecca.
1: How long has it been since you saw your oldest daughter, Rebecca?
0: Well, since I left Virginia. And I left Virginia...
1: When she she drove you to a...
0: Over a year ago.
1: hotel and kicked you out the door. And then I had to bring you the rest of the way home. (laughs) Right. So,
0: uh... was a year ago, wasn't it? Mm -hmm.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. All right. So, Mom, I promised people that I would... Along the way, they learn why I call myself a Reverend Rachel and the three obvious stories to talk about are how I taught you how to use the middle finger, I taught you how to swear, and what uh, Nene said about me and dad, okay. so, so mom, what are, what are some of the reasons why it's appropriate that I call myself a Reverend Rachel? from my growing up, what would you describe about me?
0: Well, we would say right from the beginning, you had a bit of a mind of your own. Hmm.
1: What did that mean? What did that look like?
0: Well, I think your your sister always, you know, she was doing things with Dad and, you know, getting learning things with him, kind of going along. They'd, even eventually went skiing and everything together and uh, you had your own little pattern there. What pattern was that? Well, I don't know. It would either be with a friend or on your own. Or...
1: Basically, <clears throat> not with Dad, right? Right, basically. Doesn't that get translated in later years? Yes, to... that's true. <laughs> <laughs> she won't even let me finish the sentence. In later years, the short translation of that is I did not put up with his shit. Right, mm-hmm. Mom? Yeah, okay. All right, so the last thing we'll talk about, we just had your three-month oncology checkup. After all those appointments we did, and we talked about in your last podcast, we went to see our favorite doctor with our great bedside manner. And how did you think that appointment went, Mom?
0: I do say it went well because I was told things look good Mm -hmm. on the cancer side
1: Mm
0: -hmm. at this point, and that was good.
1: And how was most of the appointment spent with the nurse and then the doctor?
0: (laughs) Checking my blood pressure.
1: Checking your blood pressure. So you apparently have high blood pressure because you flip out every time you go to the doctor, (laughs) and now you've got two relatives who have waited years to see you, and it seems like you're about to drop dead before they can even (laughs) get into town we will uh, we'll have to update everybody in next Uh month's podcast and see whether or not you you live to see, (laughs) to see your visitors, right?
0: That's right, exactly. Alright.
1: Any parting words for the people listening?
0: It was, it was a pretty good day. (laughs)
1: Because why? Because you got to go where? At the end of all of it?
0: Because then I got to go to Five Guys. All right, we're gonna she eat let her. me go to five.
1: library. We're gonna let Grandma eat her burger now, so she well. doesn't talk with her mouth full anymore. <laughs> now that we have checked in on Grandma, I'm going to set the stage for my first shit sister interview. As I mentioned in my intro, Alyssa and I have known each other for almost 30 years. When four fresh women, including Alyssa, myself, Carolyn, and Catherine, formed fast friendships initially based on our shared ambivalence of our alma mater that then grew into a friendship as close and complex as family. In college we were together every day in part because we were always each other's roommates and have been there for each other over every life milestone since graduations, adult jobs, advanced degrees, engagements, weddings, pregnancies, births, and deaths. And now We are the parents of kids coming close to their own college days, while still also the kids of the parents who saw us off to college three decades ago. In almost every year of those 30, we gather together, either camping with our spouses and kids, or on a wine-infused girls getaway weekend in some random rental. Even in a pandemic, 2020 was no exception desperate for a reprieve from an unprecedented new normal, we packed our masks and our hand sanitizer and lots and lots of wine and sat together with windows open in the four corners of various rooms in a rented Victorian to take stock of our current existence. Since I was on the verge of launching my website, I took advantage of the captive audience to interview my fellow shit sisters to learn what might be useful on their own elder end-of-life undertakings. The notes you'll hear me reference throughout my conversation with Alyssa refer to that fall weekend away as I check in on her own journey with her parents, her sister Nancy, about her deceased grandmother Gangu, and her husband and two kids. I'm just looking at the notes that I emailed back to you. So, yeah, that's
2: a trip, <laughs> right? Did you remember saying all those things? No, and I think I was three or four glasses of wine in. <laughs> too, so so
1: yeah. college friend, 30 years later, going through the throes of the sandwich generation, right? So we, Alyssa, you've got a ninth grader and a what grader? Always Seventh grader. grader. seventh grader and you were ahead of the pack so your kids are going to be growing and out of the house and you guys are going to be enjoying your child-free life way before the rest of us so that's right we didn't understand then why that was a good idea all right so you've got your own architecture business with your husband so you are not not busy regularly two children and then describe your Parent situation: When we sit around thinking about or, or, rel, or your personal or reverent anecdotes and your elder care needs, what are the uh, topics and who are the people involved in your
2: world? Yeah. Okay. So my parents are. Um, I they don't have any elder care needs at present because they are more or less able bodied. They mm-hmm. live fifteen minutes away up until COVID times they drove kids and picked them up from school and were helpful to us and they really valued being helpful to us and one of the harder things about COVID besides isolation was not having the things to do that gave them sort of structure and meaning in their retirement with carrying around their five grandchildren, three other grandchildren being my sister's kids who also live nearby So that is their situation. Um, But my mother has Parkinson's, so she is frail, Mm -hmm. I would say, is the word. She is capable, but frail.
1: Yeah. And that's noteworthy because back in the way back time machine, when we went to college, your parents were, and still absolutely are, as far as I can tell, and definitely my minds are like, the party kids there was no <laughs> frailty there was only dinner parties and wine cork tricks and all these glasses for all this liquor that i'd never heard of before and it was delightful and your dad's gregarious and your mom is like magnanimous and so they're still i think as you just described fairly independent larger than life very vibrant very engaged in their interest a huge gap between how your parents live their lives their New York City jobs driving from Connecticut and my own parents existence so as I experienced them from then to now is the type of couple who are very capable and therefore if they hit the end of the life and can't help with the grandkids even just with COVID but certainly because of Parkinson's and elder issues then that's enormously trying I picture and imagine is some of what your family might be managing. Is that true?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It is definitely difficult for my mom not to be as capable as she once was because she Mm -hmm. was, you know, working mother and great cook and three parties and did a lot and volunteered for things and, you know, was just a very active person and still is a very active person despite half of her activity is now being physical therapy or going to rehabilitative yoga, but socially, you know, she still goes with friends and does things. Yeah. So keep in mind
1: that when I interviewed Alyssa about her elder care future last fall, she was feeling overwhelmed. And before I had launched my site, she reached out asking what and where and how to capture financial information that she hoped to gather in an upcoming family conversation. Given that background, what happens next is pretty darn noteworthy. Yeah, could you tell us a little bit about how things unfolded? My understanding is there were two stories. There were how they unfolded for your parents, and then how they unfolded for you and Nancy based on when and how the information was doled out to you about what was happening. Could you describe that to
2: us? Yeah, I think my mom was probably diagnosed with Parkinson's in her late 50s or early 60s when she was still very active, working full-time, taking care of my grandmother who lived with us and was in her 80s and didn't want to put any sort of burden on either her own mother or her children or anybody or friends. She didn't want to be seen differently so she didn't tell anybody she had Parkinson's for several years. Huh. Um, and she finally did tell us but still didn't tell her friends and she never told her mother. Wow. Um, and that's the
1: big deal. We all knew Gangu. Gangu was our everybody's favorite person on the whole planet. And so this is the first time I'm hearing you express that to me. And I, that's powerful because I know there was so much cross-generation intimacy and complications about having her with you the whole time and how everybody felt about each other, which from my vantage point was mainly spectacular. But that's <laughs> a big deal to not tell your own mom before yeah. she went.
2: And she, you know, did so because she was the sandwich generation until she was in early late 60s, had her mother living sure. with her and they had a live-in caregiver and just a lot of complications of caring for her own mother. Didn't think she needed to put her own health wow. issues into the conversation, I think.
1: So which says a lot about your mom's personality, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very <laughs> capable, very confident. I got this. I'm yes.
2: Very much so. So fast forward, there were some other incidents where they didn't feel like it was really necessary to tell us, like the funny time my dad had cancer and my (laughs) sister and I found out from a family friend my sister ran into on the street in New York City, who said, oh, hi, how are you doing? How's your dad's cancer? Which <laughs> <laughs> oh, was... <laughs> my sister fell apart and ran to my apartment, and, and that wasn't great. But he was fine. Everybody's good. <laughs> can we, can we? Can we qualify that fall
1: apart thing? Because I don't think of Nancy as a fall apart kind of person. I think of her more as like, what the hell are you thinking? And because, you know, she and I are cut from the same cloth, and I deeply appreciate some of her hardcore reactions.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, she was worried, too. But... Oh, yeah. But yeah, we were both pretty mad about that situation. <laughs> so fast forward to just recently during COVID times where we haven't had as much visibility to our parents, obviously, because we haven't been seeing them inside and haven't seen them as much. And this past fall, my mom fell and she's hmm. unstable. Like her walking isn't great due to Parkinson's. And so she fell in the house and really damaged her shoulder and her hip. And went to the emergency room and just treated, but didn't call either of us for 48 hours until after the event. How'd that go over? That didn't go over so well. (laughs) Basically, we both said, you guys are crazy. You need to let us know when anything happens. We are really pissed and we're not going to stand for this anymore. And then what happened? What what does not standing for it anymore
1: look like for reals?
2: well you... we'll find out the next time something happens. <laughs> <laughs> no. no they they understood that it was not out of a want to control but a want to care and mm-hmm. you know express our empathy we weren't trying to get involved in the situation or make any choices for them they're completely independent but just to know so that we can support and tell me this cuz i
1: i feel like I was going to say, I feel like I didn't know when the role reversals happened in each one of my moments until in retrospect. And I actually think it was, there was one major shift from when Fran, basically I stood back and let my father figure try to manage my mother figure situation. And as I referenced elsewhere, I think in my trailer, you know, I was like, holy shit, get out of the way. You don't know what you're doing. Oh my God. And that was from that point on, I sort of managed each new situation because I suddenly realized that's what happens. There is this role reversal moment where not that they become the kid and you become the parent, but they, they have more needs than you do. And I, I loved looking back at the conversation we had in the fall because you and our other college friend, Carolyn, both said, and they still think of us as teenagers. <laughs> so so tell me now, like do you feel like you reached that maybe shift moment in the anecdotes you just described or where do you feel on the spectrum of being considered a teenager versus the almost 48 year old that you are?
2: Ooh, yeah. I read that note and thought, no, that's not really accurate. I don't think that's true. That was the wine talking. Yeah. That might've been the wine talking (laughs) (laughs) because no, I think they have a great deal of respect for both my sister and I and our capabilities and it's less that and more just not wanting to be a burden. I think also having lived with her parents and then her mother into her 90s, my mom's really sensitive to not being a burden. She just doesn't want to impact our lives in any negative way. Mm-hmm. And so,
1: and what I always find interesting about those moments is the parent's definition of being a burden versus the kid's definition of being burden. Are often different. So to play it out, for example, like, I don't want to be burdened, so I'm not going to tell you that I have cancer or that I fell. And the kids are like, What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is going to become my problem. Anyway, so what's your vantage point on the definition of burden in your particular situation?
2: Well, right. I mean, had they called and said, Your mom fell, it would have been like, Oh, that's too bad. I'll come visit if I can in the hospital. But it wasn't, you know, it wouldn't have been an issue. (laughs) <laughs> and but not like calling, it. it became a bigger, bigger thing than it had to be. However, it did sort of precipitate like, okay, we need to have some conversations here and be clear. And so we did have a meeting once they were fully vaccinated, just like two weeks ago, had a family meeting where my sister and I went, and they had redone their sort of estate planning and their power of attorney and healthcare proxy. And we didn't have to ask them to do any of that. They had done Mm -hmm. that and they had recently updated it. So you'll note that this apple doesn't fall far from that tree because when we got there, they had folders and spreadsheets (laughs) and everything printed out and nice lists. And we were both presented with a folder.
1: Audience, Alyssa's husband piped up recently and was like, ah, good God she just jumps out of bed at like 5am. There's no effort. There's no snooze button. Like it's killing me. I was like, dude, she's always been like that since 18 <laughs> with folders and spreadsheets and little stickies that match. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. That's good to know where that comes from. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And tell me, tell me this. Cause when I look back at the notes, I, I don't know if it's correct, but I think there was a point where you were like, Oh dear God, I don't know if they did it intentionally or they messed it up, but Nancy needs to be the POA. She's the in charge to keep, so tell me about how that played out.
2: Well, we had had a, a discussion five years ago, maybe. My father had lost his brother. His brother didn't have his affairs in order and had to go through probate, and it was a big mess, and it, that sort of jolted my father into like, oh, wait, I got to get my stuff straight, and so they did establish their health care proxy, et cetera then, but when we got the paperwork afterwards, it didn't seem right. And so what mm. we realized five years later is it was not what we agreed to and the lawyer didn't <laughs> get it right. So now they are correcting money it. Well spent. <laughs> yeah. Luckily nothing happened in the intervening five years where we had to do anything. But, and what yeah. do you think
1: the lessons are learned? The jolt that your dad had, I secretly think that those are delightful moments. If people don't ever have jolts, they don't know what they don't know and they don't know what they haven't done right and they don't do it. And then the jolt becomes your jolt. So what do you think are the pros of, you know, the sad uh, circumstances of your dad's brother's passing and what your parents took away from that? And then all the way to the point where you collectively chose to have a family meeting, because most people, it doesn't happen that easily. And I feel like last fall, you two weren't sure what it was going to take to go from They're not calling us about stuff to everybody's at the table. So the question just becomes like, you're still the start. Nothing's happened, right? Like, nobody's in a nursing home. Nobody's that. You're not actively juggling stuff. Yeah. But you've got this plan that I perceive most of us ideally would love to have. And, And more to the point, open communication.
2: Yeah. I think the open communication part is the big advantage because I know that a lot of people and older people and maybe some older people I know elsewhere in our lives are sort of head in the sand, like, I just don't want to talk about it. I mm. don't want to think about this, but luckily, my parents are very practical. and as they saw both my um, uncle dying and then their friends, they have a lot of friends who are dying, unfortunately mm. wow. or being faced with choices like their spouse needs intense care, but their healthy spouse doesn't and what do they do and do they sell their house and They are seeing other people confronted with those decisions and making sort of poor and hasty decisions because of Mm. not planning ahead. So they're Mm -hmm. trying to be proactive and think about okay, what's a rehab center that I would want to go to if something happened? They are researching different rehab centers so that they can be proactive in, like, no, please send me here so that they're just not sent to the closest place. Yeah. So, yeah, you all are knocking it out of the park if your parents are
1: deciding for themselves before the moment happens. Here's where I'd like to be. Maybe I'm making it up, but for the listening audience, like I'm going to put a deposit on it, all those pre path chosen things that you can do to ensure a spot or et cetera, et cetera. So that's amazing. It
2: is. <laughs> <laughs> I feel pretty lucky that, you know, they're willing to take that initiative and not leave it to, you know, too late or later when what it, it's have difficult.
1: What does that mean for you and Nancy? And again, everybody's situation is personal. But did you all walk away with your own binders and spreadsheets? What, in a good way, did you and Nancy come away with after that family meeting that you would recommend other people?
2: Well, we just we came away with all of the financial data, which is you know different for everybody. But where you know investments and life insurance and who to contact and their lawyer's number and the healthcare proxy and all of the legal documents all in one place, which is great because some of those things that we had previously, but, you know, they were sort of scattered. So mm-hmm. organizing the who's who to call in case of emergency list was really very helpful. And, right. you know, confirming that all where all of their doctors are, in which hospital their doctors are associated with yeah and then we got right jumped right into and we knew they wanted to be cremated but wait, where do you want your ashes and that's what brought us to why don't you think about hymns for the service you got it all wrapped so, up i mean granted these people are in the early 70s they're really not you know, on death's door at all but hey man you might as well be thorough prepared.
1: We are interrupting this broadcast for an impromptu, irreverent overview about urns. So how far did you all progress? Did you get the entire thing planned out? Did they have their urns picked out? Like, what level of detail are we talking about? And I'm actually not kidding, because this is the type of conversation I force all the time with my mother. We did actually order her an urn, and we both decided it wasn't exact. It was too big for her. She's so petite, so we returned it. (laughs) You have to have an urn? Why would you have an urn? You know, well, in my particular situation, as you can well appreciate, mom was a pianist and we inherited her piano. So and you're to her- put her on the piano? <laughs> of course. Although I, that's super ironic because all my growing up, she was like, pianos are not for putting things on.
2: But no yeah. kidding.
1: That seems super... <laughs> but see so once we moved her away from the family funeral plot thing which is the only thing her generation like kind of understood and then Mm. she realized like she would be off alone with her mother and that seemed kind of lonely and then we're like everybody else is cremating it's a thing to do these days and she's like okay fine I'll do that so once we got there I was like so mom would you want to be scattered do you want to be split 50 50 between (laughs) me and my sister and she kind of looked off into space the way my mom does and she was like you know I think I'd like to be in a vase, and I think I would like you to pass me back and forth so I can just just see what's going on in each of life. So I thought it was a nice Christmas present to be like, this is the vase you're going to be in when you're seeing what everybody's doing. And yeah, so, but I don't even like it. I got to get a new one. <laughs> awesome
2: this is Wait, do you have to buy like a special um, you know, aid
1: or something? Or is like this is a great question. Now we can get into the tactical businesses. So really? Actually, no, you can have a shoebox. And I'm here to tell any of y'all who spend big money on any fancy thing like that, that pretty much there's just like a plastic garbage bag inside with a zip tie anyway. And so it's, you know, it's all a little dress-up, but some of them do have glue, others you can seal, some you don't seal. It's kind of pretty casual actually yeah there's mm. no ash containing <laughs> substance by which you ensure that like either it doesn't escape or it doesn't <laughs> like dissipate over time yeah no it's pretty it's a free-for-all I've, I've seen all flavors so yeah mostly we're focused on one that doesn't get spilled there's that we'd probably just leave her in the zip tied bag anyway so that didn't happen but the marble didn't fit it personality and then i found yep. one that seemed more appropriate and it had like music notes and stuff and my mom always cracks my shit up like every time i think she doesn't have an opinion about something she there was like almost this light look of disdain and horror on her face <laughs> like like that's the cheesiest freaking thing i've like yeah so ixnay on the music note turn so we got we're still looking. and now back to our regularly scheduled shit sister success story we got your hymns. you got the cremation plan. You got your what if they're going. What else else did we accomplish? What's left? Did you use the electronic form or did you use the I'm dead now what book I think I recommended? No.
2: Yeah, no, because we just suggested that we should have this conversation and then they went off and running. So we did not direct what the questions were. They just presented us with what they wanted to present us with, which was frankly quite thorough. So...
1: Damn. So they did it all. They like they had the documents and basically gave it to you all. Yeah. I will say that I carried around a one page simple word document that my father figure had done for me four years. And it was, here's my lawyer's name. Here's my accountant's name. Here's the blood relatives. Here's the friends you could call. And mm. it was enormously handy. Yeah. So if people do nothing else than that, have they one-page typewritten document of all the key people to call in that moment. I yes, at it also
2: included the combination to the safe. Ooh, and yeah. we got a tour of, of the place in the house where the <laughs> safe is. I can't tell you that. We'll cut that part. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes.
1: I'm not going to ask what's in the safe then. I, al-
2: I-, I don't even remember,
1: actually. <laughs> what else should we cover in terms of... I feel like there is probably this uh, mythology of... Thinking you're super organized, and then it doesn't actually totally play out that way. And I think I can say from our own experiences that all the people that were super organized, it definitively helped the situation. And then there's the stuff you can't solve for, like lawsuits and fun things like that. So I'm curious for your family does this feel like an ongoing conversation or a one and done? And now you sit back and wait for. What's the saying? For the marbles to roll, for the things to fall. There's the, the other shoe to drop? That one. Should <laughs> hit the fan. One of those. <laughs> Where are you in the process, do you think, as a family?
2: Yeah, I think we actually talked about, like, we should revisit this every five years or a couple of years. Because it could be many years. They're still young-ish. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's a big deal.
1: That's huge. So you're done for a while. Yay. Check.
2: I guess I don't know we'll see
1: (laughs) so if I look back at the notes that you and I were talking about for the last time we talked and you especially I had rattling around in my head the comment you made there's got to be like a starter kit and is there starter kit and what are all these terms and what do they mean and the answer of course is there's a bazillion starter kits and there's a million people out there like me who are like let me help you not reinvent the wheel the problem is I think most people either don't know to go looking for it or the moment you need it it's not when you have oodles of time to sit Googling for that information. So I'm curious, does the starter kit notion feel like the thing you need, or is it more about the starter conversation with a family, unearthing your own personal situation and needs?
2: I think it's probably communication is more important than, as you say, you can find a list of things to look at anywhere. And I should throw in a plug for. All of this should be somewhat familiar to people, especially who are parents, because we should be doing this stuff for ourselves anyway and have our own wills in order and healthcare proxies. And if you haven't done that for yourself, then... Do that before you're worried about your parents. (laughs) Like, That's really important.
1: Very well. That that kind of reminds me of the whole, don't save for your college, your kid's college education before you save for your own retirement. Yeah. And then the other, what the plain analogy, put your mask on first before you put it on your kid.
2: Yeah, well, you just learn a lot. So, you know, you learn a lot by having to do it yourself. And then you're not as clueless when you go to try to figure out what they're doing. That's actually an excellent point. Because I
1: do think it's the thing that we all put off even though you need it even more desperately if god forbid any of us went young and then you know what you're doing when you get there so well this is the part where i say i feel like we basically covered the arc of where you were where you are which is freaking impressive (laughs) and you're like the poster child for what everybody needs to be doing and then i think mainly we'd want to like revisit over time how does it go does it work out Were you as organized and planful and ready for the shit hitting the fan as you guys thought you would be?
2: Yeah, probably not, but (laughs) it feels okay for right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is a success story. I'm glad that I could talk to you twice and find out that I did nothing to help and
2: it's all good. (laughs) Or that I feel more in control when I haven't had three (laughs) glasses. If you really wanted to recreate the situation. maybe that's the
1: key because we're less we're less scared when we're stone cold sober
2: all right good to know
0: are you still going your turn oh okay let's see
1: follow my monthly podcast for free on spotify apple or wherever you get your irreverent audio in between you can find support education and hundreds of resources on my website This is thisisgettingold.com just add some dashes sign up for my newsletter to receive my latest insights anecdotes and audio and ever-growing list of shit performing my theme music is my mom and my son my patient audio producers michelle rado of flying pig audio and i am irreverent rachel leaving you with a preview to my next podcast now go embrace your own irreverence. Yeah, I yeah, got it. I'm also going mm-hmm. to practice talking more slowly and enunciating <laughs> because my Alyssa but recording... how do I
2: understand you?
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. My Alyssa recording is a hot mess of me being me and I was like, mm. I, and I say like a lot. Maybe I don't you know do? if it's... No, you I not at least in that one I did. I was oh. really surprised. I wonder how Carolyn felt
2: about our time together. This is such an amazing experience, oh. and I took a training on coaching, mm-hmm. and it was called cognitive coaching. And basically, mm-hmm. that's what you're doing right now. Like you're asking these open ended questions, and oh then my god, like my following psych is working. Yes, and it's making me have all these thoughts. You're making me have thoughts.